Hello. My name is Dr. Mercurio Arborea, and I am the founder of the Arborea Institute. Through our unique blend of benign pharmacology, sensory therapy, and energy sculpting, we can guide you to a new, better, happier you. You're about to embark on a great journey that the new age of enlightenment begin. What is at stake is more than one small country. It is a big idea, a new world order. It's no longer a theory. What I'm about to say is fact. The secret organizations of the world power elite are no longer secret. They have planned and are now leading us into a one world communist government. Welcome useless eaters to the Odd Man Out podcast where we talk about hidden history, depolitical policy, occult deconstruction, economics, religion, and philosophy. I'm your rabbit hole aficionado, the odd man. Welcome. The affirmative task we have now is, uh, is to actually um, uh, create uh, uh, a new world order. Public policy could itself become the captain of a scientific, technological elite. And when that first cocaine was smuggled in on a ship, it may as well have been a deadly bacteria so much as it hurt the body, the soul of our country. But take my word for it, this scourge will stop. Greetings, oddities, and welcome to another odd cast featuring me, your odd man out. And this week I have a special guest I'm really excited about. We actually got to be on a show together. I think it was on Conspiracy or Just a Coincidence, but I had to butt out early, and I didn't really get to talk to Chris. So I'm welcoming Chris Graves to the show, and Chris is a researcher, and he knows a lot about a bunch of different things, a lot of fun subjects. So, Chris, could you give us a little bit of background? You have a show yourself as well, right? Yeah, I'm actually, I think I might be, I may be doing too many shows now. Like I started this video podcast on Twitter right before I started to get shadow banned pretty hard, actually, um, called Digging Chris Graves, because uh, that's cute to, you know, I guess I'm, uh, I think I'm funny or whatever. But yeah, no, I've been having people like Jack Blood. Uh, he, he does a show on the Ocelli network. That's the, the same network that I do, uh, that I'm on. Uh, I have a show called get mad with Chris Graves and Chuck Ocelli produces that. And that it, it used to be Sunday nights at 8 PM. Now I'm going to kind of ramp it up and see if I can really, uh, you know, kind of try to build this thing up. It's going to be uh, Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time starting in February. So, yeah, no, I think I I'm, I don't want to wear myself out, you know, so I might try to pull back the video podcast thing. That's just something that I was able to do on my own without having a producer because I have StreamYard, so I can just, I have an intro and an outro. I, all I, my, I'm not good with technology, so all I literally have to do is just hit the button and time it just right to, like, to end the stream. So uh, basically, to back up, to answer your question, um, I've been researching conspiracy stuff, uh, urban legends, things like esoteric things, probably since the early 90s. Like It started with the, um, the UFO phenomenon. 
Like I really got into that, especially with the movie Fire in the Sky that came out in 1993. It was the Travis Walton story. Great movie. Great movie. Oh, it scared me. Yeah. My father my father was supposed to take me to see uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Part 3 because that was the one where they time traveled, and I'm all about time travel. And looking back, uh, at the time, I was kind of kind of mad at my father for doing that. He's like, ah, oh, we're not going to see that garbage. And he, we go over across the way, and we, we, we go see Fire in the Sky. And, uh, yeah, no, that's a cherished memory for me, going to see that. It scared the hell out of me, and it got me fascinated with UFOs and and whether they were alien or, or man-made, like I started really researching it at the public library, which, you know, who, know, who knows if they're going to survive, you know, like the, almost like newspapers, they're kind of going away. Yeah. But before the, right before the internet kind of took hold, I was going to libraries and researching the paranormal and things. And then Kurt Cobain from Nirvana, he, uh, he died. And I started looking into that too. And I do believe he was murdered. There's a lot of evidence that that points to that. And then uh, I'd say Columbine happened in 99, right when I was in high school. And I was kind of an outcast. Not really, I got along with everybody, but I dressed like uh, Metallica shirts. I had a wallet chain and all that stuff. So I could kind of get lumped in with the trench coat kids, but I could also talk to jocks and talk to just about anybody. So, you know, when that happened, the Columbine thing, you know, people that look like me, they we didn't get treated very fairly. And believe me, I understand many groups don't get treated fairly and are demonized or whatever. But that was uh, an experience that wasn't that pleasant. And through the years, I found out <laughs> that that event is a rabbit hole that everyone kind of forgot um, because 9-11 happened. Uh, and what I mean by that is in Columbine, if you really look through like all the police reports and the witness statements, they're reporting, and even the cops at the time, they're reporting like eight to 10 shooters on site. That Even in the local media, they were reporting that. And then that got swept away. And then it, about two years later, two and a half years later, we had September 11, 2001. And both those incidents are, are kind of related in many ways, one on a macro level and one on a, a smaller level. But if you really study it, like you got the trench coat mafia type people, which wasn't really a thing, at least not in the school. And then you have Al Qaeda, you got the hijackers, all that stuff. And then you find out, oh, CIA actually started all this nonsense back in the 80s with the Mujahideen and all that. And you have a, a Bin Laden and a Muhammad Atta, and then you have a Klebold and Harris. But then you got these other eight shooters that are seen as well, like a guy on the roof. It's like this guy, there were guys at every exit keeping the cops at bay, like while the main atrocities were going on. And I know someone personally that saw an adult shooter in there. He had like spiky hair and he was with Dylan Klebold at one point and he was all muscular and everything. He was like a military type and it was definitely not Eric Harris. And this person that I know actually talked to Eric Harris <laughs> kind of shortly before the, the shooting began. So she would know exactly who she was talking about, who she saw through the door and everything. But anyway, the only reason I bring that up is I, I feel like people kind of forgot about that. And Columbine yeah. was kind of the 
of school shooting of the school shooting phenomenon. There were shootings before it, obviously, and then many after it. But they always cite Columbine every time. Oh yeah, the the shooter, the gunman, he was obsessed with Eric and Dylan, you know. And they keep using this over and over again. Ever even Sandy Hook, which I'm going to tell you flat out, I don't know what happened there, and I'm not going to say it was a hoax. I'm not going to say people didn't die, but in the media. They kept saying Adam Lanza was a big fan of Eric Harris and Dylan Klebo from Columbine. Mm-hmm. Some people don't even know if if Adam Lanza even existed. That's how right. that's how weird that one goes. But we know if you question that, you have, you owe what two point three trillion in yeah, court now. Exactly right. That's, but anyway, I, I did all that. No, sorry, sorry. No, I was just going to say. Now that is that is one that I delved really deeply into before I started doing a podcast and. Like you said, I don't know exactly what happened, but I do know that there are so many loose ends and in, in things that don't add up that um, it's just unbelievable. And I can see why they don't want anybody talking about it because you know once people start, I mean, they're, they've pretty much scrubbed almost everything that used to be on the internet about it. But uh, I've been able to find a bunch of it. That's I'm not a hacker. I'm not yeah. like with technology, but for some reason I can get on the Wayback machine or various other ways and I can pull stuff back. And yeah. I pulled a lot of stuff back for my good friend, uh, Donald Jeffries. He's an author. He wrote books like hidden history and yeah. survival of the richest. I'm actually a big, I don't want to pat myself on the back, but me and a, a couple other guys, we actually do research for Donald for his books going forward. Yeah. So he has Hidden History 3 and 4 coming out, and we had a lot of material that I was – I and the other guys, like uh, I'm assuming uh, – not assuming, what would I say? <laughs> I was able to find a lot of stuff that was supposed to be buried is what yeah, I'm trying to say. Yeah. Especially yeah. with Sandy Hook. Uh, it's amazing. It's amazing. You know, they had those uh, – there was a couple of uh, documentaries that uh, were made, you know, uh, we need to talk about Sandy Hook, and I forget the other one. But so many good points made in there, and uh, you really Those get Those are still on BitChute, by the way, if anyone wants to check them out. Awesome. Yeah, I recommend people check them out because uh, you'll walk away thinking, what in the hell happened there? I mean, it's, yeah, you know, it's just so many things. It's a whole huge, deep, deep rabbit hole. Uh, I think it was, it was like Columbine, right? Mm-hmm. But I feel like in 2011 with the Gabby Giffords thing, the Fort Hood thing, and then definitely with the Batman Aurora shooting. Yeah. They kind of did a new thing with the false flag uh, idea. Yeah. I think they added this Twilight Zone element to the media coverage where you will have people laughing, like at the, the worst, like coroners, parents. Or, or I know they, people like to say, oh, well, you know, everyone grieves a different way, but you know what? At Columbine, there weren't parents giving press conferences less than 24 hours in, you know, in suits and like looking like they're getting into character. Like, yeah, yeah. They didn't have that. The last thing they wanted at Columbine was to have a camera in their face. So, yeah. Just think about that, folks. You know, well, you know, the local uh, coroner there, and I'm, I'm forgetting his name now, but Wayne Carver. Uh, yeah, that's right. That's right. You know, he made that one statement early on right after, uh, you know, they were, you know, the bodies were supposedly examined and he did the press conference outside and he said something to the people. He said, I hope this doesn't fall on the backs of the heads of Sandy Hook. And I it hope it doesn't like, fall down. Yeah. On like, the, the new town people. And in, you he know, never explained it, it. Yeah. He didn't explain that comment at all. And he didn't know the size of, um, 
bullets that had went into these bodies that he supposedly examined, you know, several dozen bullets or more. And he said, oh, yeah. you'd think I would know that as um, a veteran coroner. And he, he's just strange, you know, strange comments like strange that. Character. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that's just a couple of things, you know, it's so, so it goes so deep. But one thing I wanted to mention quickly about Columbine, are you familiar with the, uh, I'm blanking on his name, but he had the, uh, the theory, the King Kill 33 theory about uh, JFK. That's, oh, I know that. I know that theory. Yeah, that's a new one. I never had a connection that I found with that in Columbine. Please tell me, like, what? Well, what the, is that? the only connection I was going to say is he, I think he tries to say either him or somebody who wrote about him. It's, it was either him or Michael Hoffman who wrote about that. And, and they said, you know, that the whole JFK thing was basically a ritual, but it was also meant to um, kind of break the American people's spirit. It was almost like yeah. a, a part of a program. And he I feel like, went into that. He went into that. It was trauma-based mind control, basically. Keep the nation, like, broken yeah. so you could control them in, in fear. And I, I yeah. feel like uh, that the... Columbine and, and Sandy Hook had that element to them 9 as well. 9-11, definitely. 9-11, Oklahoma City. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think there's a lot to that. Yeah. yeah. Keep everyone down. Like, everyone goes to the gun control thing. And that's true. Like, that could be an element of it. But I think what you had just mentioned, the, that theory and the trauma-based mind control, I think that's a little bit closer to what what is reality. Because uh, the Second Amendment, they could have... They could have pulled some kind of stunt, like with Australia and the Port Arthur massacre. They could have done that and taken the guns away somehow by now. Yeah. But they're letting Americans have their guns because they have DARPA and all these other weapons that we have no idea even exist. Right. So I don't think they're worried about, you know, old-fashioned firearms, personally. that's I, I don't think so either. I mean, like you said, they have weapons that, uh, you know, they that we— Probably couldn't even see the rays coming at us, and you know, you fry your brain. Yeah, you sit sitting there, and all of a sudden, your head starts doing the scanners thing, where boom, it just explodes. You know, yeah. And they'll say, "Oh, no, he just he he died in a car accident." Like they'll say it after the fact, you know, when he was sitting in his house, yeah, like, making eggs or something, you know. Exactly. <laughs> so I, I think it, uh, I think fear plays a big part in these events, even JFK. Yeah. I think, yeah, they people had their motives, and he had a lot of enemies. But the idea that they could, for lack of a better term, blow his head off in broad daylight on a regular street in Dallas just shows you that they could do whatever they want, whoever they are, you know. Exactly. It's all throwing it in our faces. And that's when a lot of people say America's spirit kind of died. Like uh, it was uh, a morning, national morning, you know, and – Camelot was dead and all this and the sixties became hopeless. And then you had Charlie Manson and all these other things to round the Vietnam. It, it was just a, it was just a mess. And uh, it, we haven't recovered since in my opinion. I agree. I totally agree. And yeah, it, it really broke the spirit. It changed things, you know, the good old mom and pop America. It was never quite like that anymore. And, you know, it wasn't like that was those days were perfect, but you, you go back to those days, then you fast forward to where we are now and this almost Crowley like mentality that the world has taken on. And it's, it's not uh, going very well. Um, No, it is like an Orwellian nightmare, like a Mandela effect. Like uh, we cross over into another dimension that's now we have, uh, you know, corpses as, you know, the, 
the guy supposedly running the United States, you know. Yeah. I'm not a fan of Biden or Trump, by the way. I don't go on either side. I think they're all puppets. Like, I think Alex Jones is a puppet. Elon Musk. I, I don't want to get too political, or, or I can if you want, but I think they all serve their own little purpose. And I really, truly feel like everything is done by design, and it always yeah. has. I really I, do. I agree. I feel the same way. And if it's not done by design, you know, the powers that shouldn't be are so influential and powerful that they can work any situation to their favor. Like I tell yeah. some people, I'm, I, you know, I've been saying for a long time, even if Trump wasn't on the inside and actually working for them, yeah, they would have figured out, or maybe they did figure out a way to use him to their advantage. Because, you know, you couldn't have had a Biden in all this horrible stuff Biden did without a Trump in a way. You know what I mean? Because they kind of work yeah. off each other with the yin or, and the or yang. Hillary or a, a Poppy Bush, you know, yeah. or W Obama. Obama doesn't have a past, and all of a sudden, boom, he's there. Yeah. All these people are shady and sketchy. You know, uh, people yeah. forget that Hillary Clinton worked on Watergate and was so vicious that they had to kick her off of that. And that's <laughs> the Watergate hearings, you know, and George and uh, Bill Clinton, he brought um, Hale Boggs to the airport and Hale Boggs was one of the only dissenting members of the Warren commission. He thought it was a conspiracy. A young William Jefferson Clinton drove that man to the airport where he would never be seen again because his plane disappeared in Alaska. And that was so. Bill Clinton. 1970. Un unbelievable. And, you know, there's that famous picture of Bill Clinton when he's got to be like 15, maybe, and he's shaking JFK's hand. Yeah, and, you know, people say, oh, yeah. well, you know, that was just a happenstance. I mean, I don't know. I mean, these people you, are selected, dude. Yeah. I, I can't <laughs> back it up totally, but they're selected decades in advance. Yeah. They have to be. There's too much power, too much at risk. If you really think about it, absolute power corrupts absolutely, and that that corrupted a long time ago. Yeah, well, yeah, probably yeah. right, right around, right after George Washington, most likely. If you think about it, he's right. the only president we ever had that wanted us to mind our own business in the world, and that was yeah. the first and only. Right, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, America does not go abroad seeking monsters whom it must devour, and we totally. Went backwards yeah. on that and tried to devour the whole world, it seems like. Oh, George, he's just kooky. He's, he's gone. That's all right. You know, he didn't want to be king. Fine. We'll take it from here. Right. You know, <laughs> basically. Yeah. Can I ask you one thing before I forget it? Because my brain is, I got so much crap in my head that you, you can see how big my head is. So <laughs> to explode. Did you ever hear about the NATO truck footage seen right outside of Columbine? Like from a helicopter? I that was a thing. Okay. I, you know, I've never delved into Columbine and uh, it's, you know, it's something I need to do, take the time to do it. Cause uh, it's, you know, it's, it happened at a time before I got into conspiracies and before I got into, you know, the history and stuff like that. So I don't know much about it. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Uh, there was a lot of people kind of like with the TWA 800 uh, crash, there were videos shown on cable and local TV that night of missiles hitting that plane and taking it down. And though I studied that a bunch and no one talks about that at all. Bill Cooper brought it up. He did a whole show on it where CNN, MSNBC, they all disappeared the footage like within the first uh, few hours they got rid of it. It was like with that with Columbine that people saw footage and I saw still photos from it in the mid 2000s. And that website has long been scrubbed. 
but it was a NATO truck parked right out front of uh, Columbine, fairly close to the beginning of the massacre. Mm -hmm. And it literally had the NATO shield on it, it like the, the insignia, whatever you want to call the logo, whatever. And then, and it just disappeared. And people claimed all over the country would write into conspiracy shows or radio shows or, and ask like, Oh, did anyone else see this? And apparently, yeah, a lot of people saw like the missile videos. A lot of people saw that, but it now it's gone. Yeah. And why would a NATO truck be in front of a, a high school? And why, and when you really think about it, Columbine was kind of singled out because there were school shootings right before that too, way before that. Yeah. But this one was like the 9-11 of, of spree shoot, uh, school shootings, whatever you want to call it. I think on purpose, you know, and I was just wondering if you had heard that or have you seen, I don't want to take over your show, but. No, please. Uh, have you ever seen any weird footage that has never been seen ever again? Like this, I know 9-11 has that kind of thing too. You know, or Sandy Hook as well. Um, Sandy Hook for sure. And probably uh, the Boston bombing. I'm sure there's stuff that you can't find about that anymore either. But or JFK probably library. hard to find. Yes. Yeah. Because originally the JFK library, they said, uh, was bombed at the same time. And if I have a theory on that too, I've been trying to prove it for Donald for hidden history three, but at the same time that the two bombs went off at the marathon across the way, the JFK library um, in Boston actually had a fire. They said later on, but originally it was reported as a bombing, like an explosion in the archives room of the JFK library where you wouldn't be able to replace whatever's in the archives room. And then right. I went and dug a little deeper. You ever heard of the Carlisle group? Oh yes. Carlisle group actually purchased or, or uh, yeah, purchased or actually had like the majority shares or whatever you call it actually had control of the JFK library about, I want to say about a year prior or maybe six months prior and on the board of directors of the Carlisle group was George H.W. Bush. And I think one of the brothers of Osama bin Laden, who they actually had breakfast together on 9-11 in Washington for the Carlisle group. But them purchasing the JFK library is curious because some people think that George H.W. Bush was actually in Dealey Plaza on November 22nd, 1963, and may have been actually involved. I'm not saying I believe it because I can't prove it, but some people have pictures that they say looks kind of like George Bush. But I will say this, uh, J. Edgar Hoover wrote a memo that involved a George Bush of Houston, an oil man. And uh, he actually wrote two, I believe, where he named a CIA guy of the CIA, George George Bush. And to the, before he died, George H.W. Bush was like the only person on the planet who didn't remember where he was on November 22nd, 1963. Pretty absurd. So, yeah, they, they tried to say that a bunch of stuff out there. But uh, when you start going down the rabbit hole, you connect and connect. I'm not saying that him them purchasing the JFK library and then the uh, archive section being destroyed had anything to do with anything but you know it's not that hard to connect the dots so what were you going to say i'm sorry no no i just to back up what you were saying there uh yeah they tried to blame it and say well there was another uh, george bush who was a lower level employee that worked for the cia that like filed papers or something yeah yeah and you know uh yeah shafiq bin laden was uh that was uh is i guess he's still alive uh osama yeah. bin laden's half brother who was having a uh, meetings with uh, George H.W. Bush. And, yeah. you know, I read um, 
couple of years ago or maybe like a year and a half ago that the Carlisle group really was given their big start like by George Soros. He's the one that really uh, helped to fund them and get them going. So it's funny yeah. how all these things are connected to these very important people. Even to this very day, George Soros seems to be in the news or the alt media news every single day during COVID and right now and the WEF and everything. It's like these people never die off, yeah. you know, except for Poppy Bush, I guess. I, I guess uh, whatever his life extension technology, they just had to pull the plug or so whatever. Right. You know, I'm kind of joking, but I'm not actually. Look at Henry Kissinger. He's the fattest, like, 99-year-old on the planet eating <laughs> McDonald's probably. How does that work, you know? <laughs> exactly. You know? That guy is, if ever there was a poster boy for, you know. A the, useless eater? Yeah, he, it would be him. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like the, uh, I guess the global elite, it would be him, you know, because every one of these big organizations, these big NGOs, I look up, he's usually on the board of directors or he, he's an honorary member. It doesn't matter if it's on the left or the right. It's like right. crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that kind of curious? It's like he has a stake with each side. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. And, he's friends with yeah. Yeah, he's he's friends with the, the Bushes. He's friends with Hillary Clinton. Uh, you know, Hillary said that I forget exactly what she said about him, but it was very kind words, and she you can see her yeah. hugging all over him and whatnot. Um, so well, you, you even look at her her quote unquote husband, <laughs> which I think that that was a charade for years anyway. But I can't prove that. But Bill, if you really think about it. Remember when the first election, when he was going up against George Sr., right? George Bush Sr., they were all like their mortal enemies during the campaign, right? Mm-hmm. But then you find out they were they were having cookouts and they were the best of buddies in the 1980s when they were bring when during the Iran Contra thing when when uh, George Senior was vice president he and he was kind of in control of all that stuff. They were flying it into Mena, Arkansas, while Governor Clinton was there, and they're all sitting there, you know, on the Clinton body count. It's all connected. I'm sorry. Oh, for sure. For sure. Yeah. You look at, uh, you know, Bill was a Rhodes Scholar, and George H.W. Bush was a little-known director of the CFR for a while. So you see these, like, the the whole, uh, whatever yeah. you want to call it, the, the Cecil Rhodes kind of roundtable groups or whatever. There's that connection. Uh, yeah, and the connections of the people that they – hang out with they're connected to so many of the same people you know even so. prescott prescott with uh, the nazis like like the, he got he got charged very briefly i believe with the uh trading with the enemy act <laughs> yeah the i think it was union bank if i'm not mistaken yeah, or, or harry yeah harriman i think with the steel mills and all that in germany like yeah but yeah yeah, he was uh, in. He, he was business partners with Avril Harriman, who's like the top Democrat of his time. So, right, right. <laughs> both of yeah. those guys were Skull and Bones alumni. You know, it's. Oh yeah. It's it's like you said earlier. It's a big show, and and they've got to put on the show to keep us divided and distracted. And but they're buddies behind the scenes. You yeah. Know? Uh, one thing I've been looking into quickly, and I kind of want to get your take on it. I've yeah, been yeah. looking into this uh, Congress for Cultural Freedom from, like, I think they started in 1950 and lasted till maybe 67. I didn't know anything about them, and um, or very little. And so, so far, I'm kind of working on a show to do about them. But they basically were hired by the CIA to 
spread propaganda all throughout the world, supposedly to fight communism. But a lot of the people that they hired were former communists, which were still communists, a lot of them, they just were against Stalin's tactics. So they were anti-Stalinist. They were Trotskyites and uh, and, and socialists for sure. Most most of them were socialists. But uh, even Irving Kristol, who's supposed to be a conservative, was one of the main guys in that group. So you, you see right off the bat, right after WW2, our government is funding socialists and, and communists to spread socialist and you know socialist ideology across the world they're not spreading like you know patriotic american ideology no. so it's that just remind, it reminds me of when uh, the donald rumsfeld started a propaganda department immediately after 9-11 and they kept it open for about i think it was they had the some public pressure uh, at least in the public eye, they closed it down in March of 2002. So they had a good, you know, 9-11 was in September. So they had a good like four or five months where they were working to put like, you know, uh, they were beating the drums for war, especially with Rumsfeld wanting, you know, Iraq, you know, on 9-11, you know, writing that famous note down saying like, find ties to Saddam, like before we knew or what anything was going on on 9-11, you know? Yeah. And they had a whole department at the Pentagon for propaganda in the news overseas and abroad. And they tried to say, no, it was just overseas and we weren't going to use those tactics like at home or whatever. But if you look back in the year 2000, it was actually discovered that the Army psychological operations uh, people actually were embedded in CNN and they were caught. Uh, and they had they had to get them out, but did they really? Right. And, and the, their cover was that they were trying to get on-the-job experience like, like what, what kind of story, what type of stories were they putting out there? I'm not saying right. they were, but yeah, it's not hard to make that leap, you know. No, I'm convinced that CNN is a CIA front. I really am. I and, think you know, they, they have, and they, yeah, you're probably right. Yeah, they definitely have embeds in all the the news uh, agents or you know the big news agencies, and probably even at the local level to some degree, especially the the important city local news. You know, I'm sure that they have certain. You've seen that. You've seen the video where it like each screen starts to double, and it's yeah. like every reporter and anchor saying the same script, and it yeah. gets huge. Yeah, there's something to that. <laughs> you know, I, I've heard, and I don't know. I need to look into it more, but that a lot of these people get their news from the script kind of comes from AP and Reuters, and they basically just read right off of it, and we know that uh, Reuters, for years anyway, was uh, partially funded by the Rock, uh, the Rothschilds. Now, I don't know about the AP. I've not looked into that one. But, yeah, the, the Reuters uh, partnership with the Rothschilds, I looked on the Rothschilds archive, their, their own archive, and it was like from the start, basically, they were helping to fund them. So I, I don't know if they still do, but I think they fund the Economist and uh, they may fund the Financial Times. I'm not sure, but uh, yeah, it's it's crazy. Well, look at Hearst. Look at Hearst. The Yellow Journalism, right right off the bat, there demonize uh, cannabis and everything. You know, because he wanted to make money uh, on um, cotton, I think. Right? Or I hope I'm getting that right. But you know what I mean. Where they everything used to be uh, hemp 
was used in everything. Oh, that's right. But yeah. William Hurst was like, he, whatever he was going to use, I think it was cotton or whatever. I, I, people are probably like, you're an idiot. You know, when they hear this later, <laughs> but no, they, he, he wanted to demonize a uh, hemp and, that's what he would put in his own newspapers, things about how marijuana was like horrible and causing, you know, black guys to rape white women and things like that. Remember that whole, like, I remember something about that. Yeah. It's like yellow journalism. So I'm sure I I can't, I've never been able to find a a tie with the Rothschilds, but I'm sure they had probably had breakfast together. Kind of like, you know, Bush and bin Laden's family every now and then. You never know. Or the Hinckley family. Right. don't know that either, you know? Yeah. Everyone's connected. <laughs> yeah, and there's so many connections, and it's like there's all these philanthropic groups and these foundations and NGOs, and there's so many now that you you know you'd be you couldn't even count them all. You know, if you tried, it would take days and days. But I, f- I feel like that's where a lot of the power lies now. And yeah, because they're only owned by like what two people now. If you really think about it, there might be many of them, but they're all owned by like two two people. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and you look at like their. Uh, their biggest donors and it's all most always the same people like Google and Exxon mm. and bank of America. And, uh, you know, even Twitter, I think is a donor to some of those places. And it's, you know, that tells you all you need to know, especially when you look at like the Atlantic council, which is like NATO's think think tank, basically they're, they come up with the policies and stuff like that. And you see all these huge corporations, all the same ones, of course, the Rockefellers and, and others yeah. are, are donating. So it's like there's such a profit and it's such a motive for us to, to always be at war or supporting other people's wars. It's, you know, and it's it's not just the government. It's the private sector, too, for the, you know, the, the yeah. at the top, of course. You know, small businesses don't have anything to do with that. But I hate to admit it, but I think I really do think that war is like the way our, our nation is set up, the way our way of life is set up. I really do think that war is what, you know, uh, drives everything in this country yeah. and kind of really sucks. Like, pardon, pardon the expression. Like, no, it's, why don't say it just is horrible. Yeah. So I don't know how you change that either because they will kill everybody to prevent that from ever happening. So I don't know what the solution is, but at least pointing out things, you know, is all I can really do in my, my own little way, you know. Yeah. You know, um, I was thinking about that. You're totally right. I think uh, that one libertarian guy, uh, Murray Rothbard, said uh, war is health is, excuse me, war is the health of the state. And I think that's totally correct. Cause it, and, you know, we yeah. think about uh, the military-industrial complex and we think about how, obviously, we think about weapons manufacturers and, and, and like, yeah. military security and stuff like that. But, you know, once you start looking into it, like these having a big military, it benefits big pharma. Somebody has got to make the food. Somebody has got to make the uniforms and all the other equipment. I mean, and then the trauma afterwards, all the pill pushing and all that, you know, like you said, the big pharma afterwards, it's a rat, you know, it's a racket, (laughs) like everything. That's, that's my, uh, war is a racket. Smedley Butler. People look it up. It's a great book. He was right. And he almost was, he was there. He was wall street's choice for a coup against FDR, the business plot, which is never taught in like schools or in the history books, but that was almost, you want to talk about insurrection in January 6th, wall street and, uh, you know, like Ford and like all these, these corporations, they wanted to install their own leader 
and not have a president. And that was in the 1940s. And Smedley Butler went and did the right thing. And, of course, he got smeared and everything, and it all got wiped away. But that almost happened. You know, and I've not looked into that deeply, but one thing that uh, kind of confuses me about that is when you look into FDR, it's like, I really wonder, like, uh, he was like the chosen one. Yeah, it's kind of, yeah, we went him letting Pearl Harbor go on. Yeah. It's it, kind of like, what do you do? You know, who, what do you pick there? But yeah. I think they're both wrong. You know what I mean? Right. I, but. Yeah, I would love to know exactly who, what all businesses were pushing it. Because, you know, he was also uh, kind of the uh, darling of the Council on Foreign Relations. I think that they actually had their... Uh, their hub was right beside where he lived at the time he was president. So, uh, you know, I know I've never read the book, but I know Anthony C. Sutton has a book called uh, Wall Street and FDR, and yes. I know it has a lot of stuff about uh, the Council on Foreign Relations in there. Uh, but uh, yeah, I that's wanted awesome. movie, I wanted to make a movie about that whole business plot thing too, but I don't think I would ever be allowed to actually get anywhere near to getting financing and things like that because that's something they don't want people to know about because they might learn from it and do, you know, prevent it from happening again. Right. They don't want right. that. Right. Whoever yeah. they are. You know, I keep saying they, but I don't think whoever really runs the show, I don't think you or I or anybody else were ever going to know their actual names. We could say Rockefeller, Rothschild, all you want. I think whoever is, and this is me, I guess, being Mr. Paranoia, but whoever's running the show will never know, like, who they are or what their names are. And that's why they're still able to run the show. I just have a feeling. Yeah. I can't back that up, but. If you look at the history or the hidden history, rather, yeah, that's what it points to. Some other hand. Well, you know, I agree. And and one thing that I've noticed, uh, especially kind of connecting the dots with that group I was telling you about, the Congress yeah. for Cultural Freedom, that I realized, man, it kind of come together just looking at these different groups over time, Council on Foreign Relations, the Fabians, and all that stuff. But I think that nowadays. Like they could talk about the liberal world order, and I guess that they openly talked about that more back a few decades ago. But right. if you look at the liberal world world order, it's kind of like you know conservative and liberals kind of change the meanings over time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I, and I think that they, that's been done kind of to make these kind of like uh, almost like uh, what do you want to call it like it's almost like a fad to be either a liberal or a conservative. You know, it's kind of like a lifestyle. And right. the lifestyle almost means more than actually what's getting done, you know, because you got to be like, I'm for this or I'm for that. And um, well, what, now you have the woke, you got a woke character, like an AOC. Yeah. And then you have like the crazy tinfoil hat. And, and believe me, I was just on a show called Tinfoil Hat. <laughs> I, it's not an insult to me, but you got the tinfoil hat types like the Marjor- uh, Marjorie uh, Taylor Thomas or whatever. Did I just screw uh, up green? Marginal- That's what I meant. Yeah. With the, with the Jewish lasers from space and things like that. It seems like you, that's the conservative and liberal now. Like those are the, they kind of co-opted what a traditional liberal or conservative used to be. Now it's like this bat crap nuts thing now on both yeah. sides. Right. Yeah, exactly. The two, two side, you know, two extremes basically. Um, exactly. But yeah, just looking at that, this liberal world order, I think is what the elites want still. You know, they want this world order, which means basically, I think, an economic world order where they're, you know, they're in charge or at least they're 
making the calls then look like they're in charge for the people we may never see. But I think even right. if you even I think that even the top conservatives they want that liberal world order because if you look back, a lot of the conservatives back in the day, even Eisenhower and people like that, that's what they were pushing was this liberal world order, you know. And, they worried uh, about the states' rights. Didn't doesn't seem like it, you yeah, know. Yeah, 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 and it's it's crazy too. It's um, you know, it's, yeah, it's, it's less it's, government. And what was it? Didn't Reagan go on that? He was going to have less government. I mean, of course, I think Bush. Yeah. I think Bush and Kissinger after that, you know, assassination attempt, I think he kind of fell in line. But prior to that, I think his whole rhetoric, Reagan, was that he wanted less government, right? He was, yeah. At least in, in at least in his words, he said that. Right. But you know, it's like even every uh, you know every conservative will say that, and then government always gets bigger, and the debt always gets bigger. As w well. went on that before nine eleven. W went on that, I believe. Think you're right. Government. And then he expanded it with the Patriot Act, which is like the most ironic name for an act ever. The oh, Patriot. Yeah. You yeah. talk about an act that has cost the taxpayers an unbelievable amount of money. And what do we have yeah. to show for it? You know, <laughs> we have COVID, we have lockdowns. That's it. I'm telling you, that and the Boston bombing was a beta test. It all led to 2020. Yeah. And we're still feeling it. Absolutely. Yeah. Because, you know, I, um, like, uh, especially with 2021, you know, uh, yeah. that was the hundredth year anniversary of the council on foreign relations. I, I'm sure my listeners are like, ah, you say that all the time, but it, it, it meant something because it was also, you know, yeah, they should be reminded. Yeah. And we also had agenda 21 and that was the year 21. And look at all the things that started happening in 2021. Uh, yeah. And of course, now, now, now we have the Great Reset coming up. That's know. right. And can you imagine there what the, in, in 1930? I'm sorry. Is there anything in 1930 that was significant that would also be an anniversary? Because it seems like these jerks like like to do like the numerology yeah. and all. That's a great I question. I don't remember. Is that like the beginning of Hitler's kind of rise? Like, mm, it might have been. I, I, yeah, I would love to go back and say, you know, look at what happened. Uh, that had to have been. Uh, yeah, no, I'm sorry. I keep cutting you off, but I'm genuinely curious now. Like, yeah, because that's the big uh, – yeah, I was just about to say, can you imagine what they have planned for uh, the year 2030? I mean, it's – Project Bluebeam, where now the final aliens are going to land because they kept propping that up in 2020 as well. Like, the Pentagon's like, yeah, they exist now. All the people we shunned and shamed for decades. Right. Oh, forget them, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, they're real. Yeah, yeah. I think it's actually our own technology that is not declassified, but that's just me and Bill Cooper in the end. <laughs> I, I agree. Uh, you know, even Michael Aquino, which, you know, obviously I don't, uh, don't think he's like a, a role model or anything like that, but I heard him in um, an interview not long before he died. Uh, somebody asked him about, yeah. uh, you know, aliens and uh, UFOs. And he said, this is technology. Because he, you know, he had clearance. I mean, security clearance. He was in on all that stuff. He said, "This is they have tech that we wouldn't even dream of." So yeah. I, I think he, that, he would know. Yeah, he was. Uh, yeah, he was a dark character. And uh, Dave McGowan, the late Dave McGowan, actually had a infamous email battle with him back and forth. 
Oh, that's it's called right. Dialogue with a Devil with the Devil, and it, like you can't find it anywhere anymore. I have a copy of it, but you can't. What had happened was because I actually have gotten to know a little bit uh, Craig McGowan, Dave's brother. Oh, cool. And and he definitely thinks that Dave was killed, you know, with a, a Jack, basically like a Jack Ruby type aggressive cancer that took him out like very painfully, and then he succumbed on November twenty second of all days. Dave. So Dave actually had this infamous battle that was like on online uh, uh, through email and he actually posted it on Center for an Informed America, CIA. That was Dave's old website. It's still there. It's a, it's a, it's a new version that's run by his daughter, Alyssa now, but basically it's the same material on it, but you won't find dialogue with the devil on there, I don't think. But the reason that Dave eventually took it down was because there were a lot of death threats. And mm-hmm. Dave's mother and daughters had to really convince Dave to take that down because I guess he was stubborn like that. And he was like, yeah. no, let him, let him threaten me. But when he realized that, you know, his daughters and his mother were really concerned, he took it down. But um, I'm trying to remember the website that it actually may still be on. And I think it's a Canadian website. Um, I have to get back to you. I think it's called the whale, like dot CA. Oh, whale dot two or something like that. Yeah. I think you could find, I think that's the only place on the internet. You could find dialogue with, with the devil. And it's, it's great. Cause uh, Dave calls Aquino out on all the Presidio, like molestation charges and all the, the, the little kids that actually had STDs and all this, all these things that were going on around the time of the McMartin preschool, mm-hmm. uh, debacle and not about tragedy because apparently they found the tunnels underneath the school that the kids were talking about apparently they found it after the fact because the parents had to hire like a geology i'm gonna get this mixed up but someone to penetrate the ground like with the radar or the sonar rather mm-hmm. and they actually found evidence that there were tunnels underneath the school so the kids weren't full of it like the false memory syndrome people like to say all the time yeah, there actually was like evidence to show that you know they had like pentagrams painted on things, and they could actually see it with the this uh, sonar technology. So it was around that time, and Aquino had ties to that. Even I think Dave brought up in uh, Program to Kill his his book that he did on uh, serial killers and how that whole phenomenon seemed to have been engineered kind of like the hippie movement to take down the anti-war people like that. He pointed out in weird scenes inside the Canyon is probably his best known book, you know, Yeah. but everything, man, seems to be a socially engineered thing. Like you really step back and you look, and even my, my good friend, I can call him that now. I known him for a couple of years ago, Donald Jeffries. He wrote a book called bullyocracy. Right. And it was basically almost like a Dave McGowan, social engineering type book which went into how the power structure is right from the schools with the bullying and everything bullies always get rewarded in society when it should be the other way around and the victims actually get victimized even more when they try to get justice or they try to uh you know call out for help you know things like that so there's all kinds of social engineering going on with every aspect of our lives if you really really like look into it it's not even that you don't have to dig that deep either yeah just look at the nightly news Right. It's designed to depress the hell out of you and scare the hell out of you. Yeah. <laughs> you know? There's a killer on every every doorstep. Stay in your house. Stay home. What did they do? They eventually just told us, stay home eventually. Right. 
Don't go outside. Don't get sunlight. You know? Yeah. Don't go to school. Don't go to the movie theater. Don't go to the mall because there's shooters everywhere, you know, everything. And then don't take a, pl- a plane or now we're going to make it so that you get sexually assaulted and radiated while you're trying to take a flight. You know, it's every aspect, man, the fluoride and the water and my head's going to explode and just everything. And if you, if you feel depressed about all that, then they've got the miracle pills that you need to take. Yeah. They got the little, uh, the the pad right here. Here you go. Legal pill pushing. Here we go. But if you have a little marijuana in certain States, we're going to take your life away. You're going away, you know, prison industrial complex. We're going to make money off you there. It's It's crazy, man. It is overwhelming, man. Yeah, and all um, your all your listeners are probably like, "Why is this guy on?" No, man, I'm sure they they love it. Uh, you know, we were talking about. I meant to mention this earlier, so I'm going to go back to that real quick. But Sorry, uh, you were talking about uh, was it uh, E. Howard Hunt or who would you say that uh, was trying to get marijuana? I uh, was trying to. Make oh, it uh, William Hurst, William Randolph Hurst. Hurst. Yeah. William Randolph Hurst with the uh, quote unquote the yellow journalism, which was kind of around the time where they. Um, I'm sure they they had you know COINTELPRO, Mockingbird stuff before that going yeah. on with the media, but that's what people like to point to when there was a definite shift with like propaganda and things like that. Yeah, I, I was thinking, and I can't remember where I heard this. I I know I read it after I I listened to it on a podcast, and I looked it up to make sure it was true. But um, it seems like when you look at prohibition back in the day, it was more about actually yeah. stopping people from making uh, moonshine that, that they could actually put in their cars to run their cars. I think right. that uh, it might have been Corbett that uh, talked about this a long time ago. But, you know, yeah. I think that was the actual push. They were afraid people would start making their own fuel with this corn alcohol. And uh, that's why. You had, onto something there. Yeah, yeah, I think that, yeah. It's, it's crazy. I mean, these people have been. Yeah. Like the war on drugs is like prohibition was back then. Exactly. It creates criminals. It's not yeah. doing any good. It's keeping, and like you said, very interesting. I never even thought of that. If it was, if you really could use it as a fuel for your vehicle, then screw Exxon and mobile and all these other things. Yeah, we'll just make it ourselves. Like, right. Yeah. Yeah. I got to look more into that now. Wow. Yeah, it's been a while since I, I listened to that. I want to say it was corporate. It might have even been um, on his uh, that documentary he did, uh, how big yeah. oil took over the world or something like that. It was really good, but uh, it made total sense to me when I heard it. I said, yeah, I can see that because uh, it, it just like a makes free energy suppression, you know, yeah. same thing. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. Uh, the people that's been, you know, that, that already had – a lot of money, you know, we're already controlling politics early on. Oh yeah. Um, it's just, uh, you know, you go back to like, I uh, read this book and it was an old book. I want to say it was Lords of not finance. I'm blanking on the, I'll probably think of it in a minute. It was Lords of something, but uh, it, it was basically about the, uh, all the very rich guys from the, early right. 1900s and they had the the trust where all the trusts got broken up uh, you know it was yeah. the rockefellers and the um the uh it was like right before the federal the fed was started in exactly. 1913 right? exactly yeah. and uh yeah i'm trying to think the melons and those different people yeah. and um the morgans of course so yeah it's, it's pretty pretty interesting 
history there that, uh, you know, to go back into. And like you said, the, the, then they started a couple of years later, the uh, federal reserve. Uh, yeah. so I looked into that too, for, uh, I was helping to, uh, helping my buddy, Tony Arterburn, uh, write a book on like currency and things like that. And yeah, there's a lot of weird stuff with, uh, with the fed and how it was set up and all by design. You oh, know what yeah. I mean? Definitely. You know, and you look at, um, two of the main guys who ended up, uh, you know, funding or not funding, but, uh, running the fed early on was, uh, I think it was Paul Warburg and, uh, Jacob Schiff. And of course he, Schiff is a, you know, yeah. uh, descendant of Adam Schiff, Schiff. Right. Uh, so, yeah. and that Schiff family, uh, they actually roomed, shared a house with the Rothschilds in Germany in Frankfurt. I think I read that in Richard Grove's book. And, um, so they were, you know, in with the Rothschilds, and uh, they came over here, and uh, I mean, ended up, you know, starting the Federal Reserve, and there was a bunch of intermarriage with several of those families, including the Rothschilds. So it's like these people didn't have any ties to America, you know, they, their ties were to Eastern Germany and or Germany, and and maybe, you know, what became what finally became yeah. Israel, but th- their yeah. ties to America was not. They just wasn't there. It was non-existent. America was just another place they could make money. And, um, you know, they were yeah. internationalists at heart. So that's who's controlled our money from so, you know, for so very long. Well, you know who else also helped set up the Fed, too? You ever heard of a uh, a guy, I don't want to say, I almost said gentleman. There's nothing gentlemanly about these people. Now, there was a man with the last name House, and he was like the top advisor to uh, Woodrow Wilson. Have you yeah. heard of this character? Yes, uh, Man- Edward Mandel House, right? That's the or one. Colonel That's the House. guy. Yeah. yeah. And he gave himself the title of, I think it was Colonel. Yeah. Or, um, he was never a real Colonel. Right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it was like Colonel Tom Co- Tom uh, Cooper, uh, Elvis guy. Like, he gave him this. He wasn't an actual Colonel, but he gave him that thing. And he, you know, they probably think that no one would dare question if you're really a Colonel. You know, how right. dare you? Like, yeah. So like the thing you just paint like a biohazard thing on the side of a truck and no one's going to touch that truck, you know, and it has everyone's money in it. You know, they're stealing it, something like that, like a tactic. Anyway, I don't know why I went on that. But House, <laughs> he had something to do with setting up the Fed, too. And he also had something to do with whispering in uh, Woodrow Wilson's ear about kind of getting us involved with World War One, I, I believe. Mm-hmm. I could be too, mistaken, yeah. but yeah. And he was so also one of he was also one of the founders of the Council on Foreign Relations. And, and he had ties to the finders, I found out. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, really interesting. There's a tie there, yeah. I don't know if I should give it all away because uh, I gave it to Donald to put in his book, but there are ties there too. And the cool. finders, for anyone out there who may not know, they probably do, right? Like, <laughs> they were a weird, shadowy organization that some something had something to do with child sex trafficking. You know, some people will argue against that, but there was some circumstantial evidence for some of that weirdness in the 1980s, especially the finders and possibly the Franklin scandal. I think they had something to do with, too. But it's, it's all it's, connected. It's yeah, sick. it's all connected. Like uh, we were talking about Aquino a few minutes ago or Aquino. Yeah, yeah. And, and uh, I think it was Paul Bonacci who implicated uh, Aquino as being a. Uh, kind of his, uh, I don't know what you would call it, uh, handler or like he was doing mind Aquino control. Was, 
Aquino was uh, accused, and that's kind of why Dave McGowan uh, wanted to kind of bust his balls. Uh, his, uh, I'm sorry for using the language, no, but he wanted, he wanted to bust him a little bit, you know, because uh, Aquino pretty much got away with a lot of stuff, apparently, because uh, he was, you know, they looked into him for, like, child molestation and all that that stuff, because I guess he was also the founding member of the Temple of Set. Yeah, which was like right. a satanic church, basically. Yeah. But he was a high-ranking military officer as well. With yeah. clearance. He was a real colonel. He was right. <laughs> but, yeah, he was a real colonel and a real jerk, apparently, if a lot of this stuff is correct, you know. And yeah. he was he was big into psychological warfare and actually wrote the manual that the Army used, I believe, or one of them. Yeah, uh, he's got that book, uh, Mind... I think it's Mind Star. Mind War. Mind, yeah, Mind War. Mind War, that's yes, it. Yeah. He, it's been yeah. a while. I don't really like to read the things the guy wrote, but I, I like to know what's going on, so sometimes yeah. you have to kind of... I mean, uh, he... You know, I've read most of that book and a few excerpts from other books online that he did, and the guy was brilliant, which makes him even more Scarier. dangerous. Yeah. And the, the reason I kind of tend to believe Paul Bonacci from, uh, you know, the Franklin scandal yeah. is because he was saying that early on, way before, you know, Aquino's reputation got out there. And he knew, yeah. you know, what branch of the service he was in. And he, he named the place it happened and different things like that. And then there yeah. was a, yet another guy separate from uh, him, uh, Rusty Nelson, who was a questionable, a questionable guy, but he also implicated Aquino, yeah. and uh, he said he he witnessed Aquino come to uh, an apartment and take a suitcase full of money or bring a suitcase full of money to uh, what was the guy that uh, Larry King, I think Lawrence King, the guy who was in charge the of Franklin the scandal. Yeah. Yep. So that's two separate people that identified Aquino as having something to do with that. And uh, I don't some know, of the man. kids, Some of the victimized kids from the Presidio daycare. Yeah. Presidio was the uh, the military base that Aquino worked at mm-hmm. in San Francisco. And weirdly enough, I believe uh, George Lucas, I could be wrong, I believe George Lucas purchased that property afterwards for, Luke, for some Lucasfilm type thing. Uh, I could be wrong. I hope I'm not. But anyway, the Presidio was the place. And a bunch of those kids that were accusing, you know, making accusations of being molested testified that they actually were inside of Aquino's apartment, which was painted all black and had like an altar and all this weird stuff. And I guess people that knew Aquino actually said, yeah, the kids were right. The kids were right. Yeah, that's, you know, that's interesting because, uh, those kids identified that house and identified some of the furniture and different things inside yeah. the house. And, uh, you know, you can't fake that. I mean, that's just, uh, cause who else would know what was in there? Well, uh, and so, yeah, I, I think that, um, there's a lot. I think more it ties to- in even with today with Epstein, the Epstein type things. You know, I think, mm-hmm. you know, you have to keep, you know, you could be all true and blue and maybe you really are like about hope and change. And I mean, for real, you know, not that guy, but you're going to go along to get along or yeah. we're going to have, or we're going to release some things on you, you know, or even worse, you know, we might show you a different Zapruder film from a different angle, 
that no right. one's seen before. You know, people have said that before, like Bill Hicks or Jesse Ventura yeah. have made that suggestion that they show you the how things really work, and then they say questions, Mr. President. You know, right. you look at Trump after Trump had that meeting with Obama that was only supposed to be like a half an hour after he he got you know became president. They were in there for what almost two hours, not just a half an hour. And when he came out, he looked like he was white as a ghost, Trump. And when did Trump ever get like intimidated ever? Yeah, I think yeah. they showed him. They're like, This is how it really works. Or yeah. he was in on it from the beginning because I can't figure that guy out either. I think he was a puppet, just like mm -hmm. he was the polar opposite of the hope and change puppet or the let's have a beer with him puppet prior to that puppet. You know, they're all yeah. these different puppets of the things, right? And right. he was the he was the uh, you're fired, or he was the reality jerk, uh, TV guy puppet. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And was he was a conspiracy theory puppet because he was on 9 11. I found that footage too. That a lot of people thought was buried. There's Trump on the phone talking about how there had to have been bombs in that, those buildings besides the planes that took them down. And now, you know, he says, oh, yeah, if I get elected, I'm going to reopen 9-11. Well, what <laughs> you had the opportunity for four years with uh, the JFK uh, files, right? But yeah. no, you just tweeted the whole time. Right. That makes me think he was a puppet as well. But Yeah, yeah, I do too. I mean... Know. Uh, I, I really don't think that the president, as cliche as it might sound in conspiracy circles, I don't think that he probably has that much power. I, I do think it's his main uh, kind of job is to go in and keep the people divided. That's and divide, division. You're yeah, right. Yeah. You are so right. Divider yeah. in chief. <laughs> right. Because well, uh, back in the day, there wasn't. Back in the day, I found out there was this weird phenomenon, maybe not weird to historians or whatever, but. They actually had pre so-called so presidents of Congress before Washington, I found out. And I started looking into it. There was like 14 of them. I've heard prior that. To, and I looked into it, and I'm like, what are you talking about? And it had something to do with like – it was almost like a president – it was like a, a more powerful position than being a governor of each state. It was like you were the president of each sector or each – because it was before the Constitution was was written, obviously, but it was like the Magna Carta and things like in that. And there were there were different presidents of Congress, and that's something I'd like to go into more too. But I think a lot of people would want to get back to something like that, where your state is you know you don't have one figurehead mm -hmm. that is running everything because that's just impossible these days, and they're always selected and corrupted and all this. So you actually literally had your state being represented, which is what it was supposed to be, union of the states, right? Yep. It was supposed to be in the union. And I cut you off again, sorry. No, no, I was just going to say, um, you know, I, I totally agree with you because I've come to, I kind of went through a libertarian phase, or I actually did go through a libertarian phase and, and then a kind of right-leaning anarchist phase. But, you know, as I've gotten yeah. older, man, I've kind of put everything together. The only thing I think would work and will probably never do it the only yeah. thing I think that could work for a long time is a, a kind of a, a minarchist system where it's like the minimal amount of government needed yeah. just to run the country and just do the necessity, you know, the things that really need to be done, the necessity. And a sheriff, and a local sheriff, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. And, and then you'd, but you'd have to have like such a dedicated citizenry that was keeping everybody in check. Yeah. 
and that you know that, I think that's what we were supposed to do. That's the only way this thing would work to keep people from being corrupted. But but, but greed and corruption. It, how do you keep that in check? Yeah, exactly. It's human I mean, nature. I hate to say it. It's kind of human nature. It is human nature. Yeah. yeah, and it doesn't matter. You know, if it's uh, you know, capitalist, socialist, a mix of capitalist, yeah. socialist, fascist. It's going to happen because greed is greed, and people are people. You know, and uh, that's yeah. unfortunate, but. Uh, you know, Maybe we kind of, just do the best, do the best we can, I guess. You yeah, know? yeah. But certainly, right. something smaller would be more manageable, and you could hold it into account right. more. Instead of like they're pushing, you know, even though they say they're not for like a global type of governance, which yeah. God knows how you would keep that into you know accountable people <laughs> yeah. that are on the other side of the world. You know, uh, most likely a lot of them anyway. There's no yeah. way you could keep that. <laughs> How do you poli- I think they made the attempt, right, to be the world's yeah. police. Yeah, yeah. You know, they. I think that was just to push push people into doing what they wanted. No, you know what I mean. Too. Yeah. So it's not really policing them. It's it's actually intimidating them to go along with you know what's going to benefit us. Right. Yeah. Exactly. But well, Chris, we went like a, a little bit over an hour, and I wanted yeah. to talk to you about uh, more about uh, Dave McGowan and weird scenes inside the canyon. If you'd be so nice as to come back sometime soon. Oh, uh, I would be honored, sir. And we'll yeah. just do the whole show on uh, Weird Scenes Inside the Canyon. I, and- you know what? I, any chance I get to be able to keep Dave McGowan's memory and his work alive, I try to do that because I feel like, you know, he might be forgotten eventually if yeah. someone doesn't talk about it, you know? So yeah. I would be honored. I'd be honored. Awesome. And, and what I'll do, I, I, we'll... we'll uh, talk about it we'll figure out a date and i'll uh, reread the book because it's yeah. been a while since i did that i i got the uh i got a pdf of it so i'll listen to it that way i can listen to it quickly and uh, yeah. kind of get it back you know refresh my memory but yeah we'll just do a whole show whole show on that and i think that'd be a lot of fun that'd and be great. uh there's just so much in that book. Well, sorry oh, i gosh. went off on those other tangents yeah. no no i appreciate it i i enjoy those and then i was going right along with you. So I'm, I'm, I had a lot of fun, man. Thank you for coming on. Hey, thank uh, you for having me. And I, I do look forward to talking to you again. I look forward to having you on my, uh, one of my shows. Sure. Too, if you will. Absolutely. Man. Absolutely. So uh, would you care to tell everybody kind of where they can find your stuff? Well, if I can get out of Twitter shadow banning jail right now, um, which with the Sam Tripoli show that might, you know, I might have half a chance maybe, um, I'm at Seagraves uh, Mass Guy, G U I, all one word. And that's at Twitter. And that's where I have my Digging Chris Graves video shows going on right now. And my main show is um, Get Mad with Chris Graves on uh, Ocelli.com with the great Chuck Ocelli. And I also am a contributor on the New Prisoners podcast uh, live stream, which is actually tomorrow on on Thursday, 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. And that's a fun show. And I get to contribute in other ways that I don't on my own shows. So Awesome, man. So you got a lot of irons in the fire. That's that's really cool. Yeah. Trying to stay relevant, I guess. <laughs> Good, man. We're glad to have you out there and in the fight because we need all the help we can get, right? Yeah, and I appreciate people like yourselves uh, giving me a, a platform as well. Thank you. You're very welcome. Well, guys, I appreciate you listening to this. And, uh, Chris, hang on, and we'll talk after the show. All right, guys, that concludes our episode today, and I appreciate you for taking the time to hang out with me. I want to thank, once again, my friend and guest, Chris Graves, 
And you can find Chris and all his links on Twitter. It's at C, that's the letter C, Graves, G-R-A-V-E-S, Mass Guy, M-A-S-S-G-U-I. And you can check out his link tree. It's link tree, C, Graves, Mass Guy as well. And I'll put those in the show notes, of course. So thank you once again, Chris, for hanging out with me. We're going to get together again soon and talk about the great Dave McGowan and his work on weird scenes inside the canyon. All right, let's get right to it. I want to thank my patrons. I want to thank Cole. I want to thank Ashley. I want to thank that crazy bread man for being a covert co-conspirator. Thank you, Aaron. Thank you, Ruckus, for being a producer of the show. Please check out the Daily Ruckus on alternatecurrentradio.com and all his fine work at TNT Radio as well. Thank you, No Evil Shall Fear. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Mark, from Housatonic Live. Please check out all of Mark's work on YouTube and all the platforms. Thank you, James. Thank you, Bill S., for also being a producer of the show. Thank you, John Brisson, from We've Read the Documents. Please check out John's Subscribe Star and Odyssey. Thank you to the Mighty Kilowatt for being a supporter of the show. Thank you, Sir Tim of the Tunnels, for being a supporter of the show. Thank you, Aaron. Thank you, David. Thank you, Jack Allen from Conspiracy or Just a Coincidence. Please check out all of Jack's work on all your fine podcasting platforms as well as YouTube. I also want to thank my friends at AlternateCurrentRadio.com, my podcasting home. Please get over there and check out like the show I just mentioned, The Daily Ruckus. Check out their flagship show, The Boiler Room, and all their fine music and talk shows. They really have been good to me, so I want you to give them some love and share their content as well. And you can share mine if you like. Also, if you want to become a member of the Society of Cryptic Savants or one of the other tiers on my Patreon, it's patreon.com forward slash the odd man out. There's three tiers on there you can check out and see what you like and what would fit you the best. So I appreciate all your support. I look forward to bringing you more content very soon. I also want to thank thefringeradionetwork.com for posting the oddcast as well. Cheers and blessings, and remember, their order is not our order. See you guys.